the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome to Contending for the Faith, where the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, have you ever felt like your life was more like a war zone than a tranquil oasis? Well, if that's you, fear not. There is hope for you because tonight we're bringing you part 19 That's right. Part 19. It's been a long series entitled Peace in the Midst of the Battle. You know, oftentimes when we hear the word battlefield, we envision a situation with bombs going off and machine gun fire all around, people throwing hand grenades, soldiers running, chaos everywhere, bodies stacked up. But have you ever considered that there is an intense battle, an intense battle raging in our thoughts? Every day we struggle with the battlefield of the mind. But don't despair. We have some good news for you. There is good news in the midst of the battle. But if you want to find out what that good news is, you better stay tuned because we are not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed. And thank you so much for that introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. And we know you're going to be challenged and blessed and uplifted by our program tonight. And As Brother Gary has said, this brings us to part 19, and it's been a long series and a blessed series because it's blessed so many people, and we've been hearing from people and sharing how they have been blessed immensely. And I want to just uh, say a few things about uh, this issue of peace in the battlefield uh, in relationship to paranoia, because, you know, uh, paranoia is a result of someone or persons or persons not having the peace of God, because the peace of God will knock uh, that uh, P, paranoia, out the way, because the peace of God will come into the place of paranoia. You notice that we're dealing with two P's here. You have the choice between the first P, which is the peace of God, or You can reject God's peace and have paranoia, the second P, in your life. Now, let me say a few things about uh, paranoia before I get into the body of my message here. You know, uh, the Bible tells us uh, that, uh, you know, Proverbs uh, 26 and 3, uh, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. And God has promised you and me to give us peace if we trust in him. But if we trust in ourselves and our emotions, our feelings, it'll take us places that we don't need to go. And that's where paranoia comes in. What does the Bible have to say about paranoia? That's a good question. 
The Bible doesn't say anything about the word paranoia, but it talks about the concept uh, in the Bible. Now, um, uh, what does the Bible say about paranoia? It doesn't say anything about the word itself, but paranoia is a mental condition, mental condition characterized by, uh, I would say, uh, seven characteristics And let me kind of lay out these seven characteristics of paranoia. And again, now it stems from a mental conditioning that I believe that uh, the enemy really works behind the scene to get us to that place. But these are seven characteristics of paranoia. And uh, if you uh, are experiencing this in your life, then you are suffering with paranoia. Number one, suspicion. Uh, a lot of people are in that world. Uh, they are suspicious about everything. And number two, distrustful, distrustful, even of themselves and distrustful of others. Uh, that's why so many people don't want to go to church. They don't trust people. You know, paranoia can jump on you with that as well. Uh, you know, so number three is delusions of persecution. You know, people feel that, uh, hey, I'm being persecuted uh, for no reason, and they just pound themselves and beat themselves up around this uh, issue of persecution, and then it becomes a delusional situation. And then, number four, irrational thought processes. Irrational thought processes. You start to think irrational rather than rational, and that's what Satan wants to do. And then we get into this all this phobia and uh, this issue of fear, uh, which is number five. We get into this issue of fear and starts to taunt us and control us. And then number six, extreme shyness. You know, people who are extreme shy. I mean, you can be shy, but you can take it to a level where you are extreme in your shyness. And this is the result of paranoia. And then number seven, exaggerated distrust of people or uh, situations, you know. So the Bible doesn't use the word uh, paranoia, but these are symptoms of it and characteristics of it, and I've just given you seven of them. Now, uh, the bottom line to paranoia is simply this. They believe, uh, because of fear controlling them, that um, God is not sufficient and God will not be enough for what they are facing. So they start to uh, really have the fear. Remember we said fear has an acronym, false evidence appearing to be real. And they get to the place where they simply say, God is not sufficient for me uh, in their mind. And then they uh, believe that God is not enough for what I am facing. And that's a Uh, a a doubting spirit right there that the enemy wants to get us to uh, fall victim of, uh, to feel that we are inadequate, unworthy, and paranoia looks uh, outward towards others rather than upward towards God. Notice that. Paranoia looks outward towards others rather than upward towards God, you know, and we need to deal with this. And so we need to surrender our fears over to God, our anxieties over to God, because in Philippians 4, he said he will keep us in, uh, you know, not only in perfect peace, 
but it talks about that he will guard our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus in Philippians 4. And our hearts and mind need to be guarded against fear, um, anxiety, paranoia, and all these other things. And, and you know, and the Bible talks about uh, in 1 John 4 and 4, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And it talks about in Philippians 4 and 13, we can do all things through Christ to strengthen us. And then Jesus said in John 14 and 1, let not your heart be troubled. We need the peace of God in our lives today because people are losing it. They are losing their minds. And Jesus is called in Isaiah 9 and 6, the Prince of Peace. Now, let me just kind of go back and review over some of the things I talked about in terms of peace in the battlefield. And we've been talking about the issues of that there are five ways we can be afflicted when we lack the peace of God. And we talked about, number one, spiritual affliction. We talked about, number two, emotional affliction, which is spiritual affliction. If that's not right with God, if your spiritual life is not right in the Word and in prayer and all of that stuff and accountability in church and getting counseling, it opens up the door towards the enemy attacking you with your emotional affliction. Then he attacks you with mental affliction. And that's big issue today is mental illness. People are losing their minds because they don't have the peace of God like they should. And number four, physical affliction. And we said from the physical affliction, there are seven things that spring from this. And we said, number one is sleepless uh, days and nights. And then number two, irrational ways that we think and operate. And number three, eating disorders. And we talked about number four, suicidal acts or suicidal tendencies. Number five, we talked about immorality. And that can range from fornication, adultery, pornography, and many other uh, addictions. And then number six, we talked about drunkenness. And we, uh, I said that people today are thinking that they can drown away their troubles by drinking, and they get as drunk as a skunk, and Satan sets them up for other issues to destroy their lives. And this kind of let me say this, that the Bible talks about 30 different types of warnings about drinking. And I'm going to kind of go through this and try to hit on some of these things in terms of not the 30, but I'm going to hit on some of the highlights. Number one, out of these 30 warnings, uh, God uh, forbids drunkenness. We find that in Ephesians 5 and 18. It says, do not be drunk. That's a command. That means to do not be drunk with wine. But be filled with the Spirit. Number two, drinking too much alcohol can lead to disgrace. And we saw that with Noah and his family. He disgraced his whole family. And we see that in Genesis 9. And then number three, Overindulgence in wine can lead to incest. We saw that with Lot and his daughters. And uh, if he had stayed sober, it never would have happened. We learned about this in Genesis 19. The Bible warns, number four, that drunkenness will lead to immorality. We learned about this throughout the Bible. Uh, and people that drink are not thinking right. They're not operating right. And uh, people today... Uh, are getting taken advantage of in these fraternities and, you know, coming out of these clubs. And and a woman got killed the other day coming out of a club real late. And uh, so a lot of things happen when people, and she was, looked like she was drunk. And, and then we want to say that uh, number f- uh, five, drunkenness causes health problems. 
And the Bible talks about this throughout, you know. It can cause, uh, you know, nausea. We cause redness of the eyes, vomiting. Uh, it can cause bitterness of the soul. And we see this in Proverbs 23 and Isaiah 19 and 14. And then number six, heavy alcohol use is a tool that Satan uses for sexual abuse against others. And we see when a person is intoxicated, they're not in their right mind. They don't have no sense of defense. And people are getting taken advantage of in so many different ways. Uh, And then, uh, seventhly, um, that uh, poverty is a result of heavy drinking. Uh, You know, you start to waste God's money. Uh, you, You start to abuse God's money. And drunkards have difficult in keeping jobs and maintaining jobs. And we learn in Proverbs 23 and 21, for the heavy drinker and glutton will come to poverty and the drowsiness will clothe one with rags. That's what it says in Proverbs 23 and 21. Number eight, heavy drinking brings the judgment of God. It brings the judgment of God. And, you know, and 1 Corinthians 11 talks about Judge yourself, lest you be judged, and you will be judged by God. And that's why you see so many people going down. And you know, most of our uh, juvenile, a lot of our juvenile halls, jails, and prisons are the result of the judgment of God. And people getting all sorts of cirrhosis of the liver, hepatic coma, and many other things as a result of this. Number nine: too much wine and alcohol can cause lingering long body injuries. And we see this with bumps and bruises and scrapes and and even can lead to rape occurrences. And then the aging process. Some of the people that drink, uh, they can be in their 20s and they look like they're in their 80s and 90s because it brings a toll on your body. Number 10, too much wine can cause hallucinations. We learn about this in Proverbs 23 and 32. It warns of drunkenness that your eyes will see strong sights or strange sights, and your mind will imagine confusing things. The Bible says that uh, too much wine can lead to hallucinations. Write that down, Proverbs 23 and 32. Hallucinations can cause people to do things they would not otherwise do. They may talk to themselves. I'm say this in closing. They may talk to themselves. They may uh, remove clothing in public and in private uh, around people who will take advantage of them. They may become very aggressive and irrational, violent towards people, and, uh, and, and the many other issues as well. And just let me say this in closing. This is the last thing, number 11. The Bible warns that drunkenness will not—people that are drunkards— And this is something that you really want to make a note of. I'll say this in closing. The Bible warns that drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm going to say it again. The Bible warns. This is not Buckner. This is the Bible. The Bible warns that drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. If a person or persons is excessive drinker, continuing to drink uh, privately, publicly, without repentance— it is a sure sign that they are not a true believer in Jesus Christ. At 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, write this down with this 11th point. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9 says this, Or you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do you not 
do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, there's the word, nor drunkards, nor revilers, uh, swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. So how are you going to inherit the kingdom of God? By repenting, by confessing your sins right now, by repenting and turning your life over to Jesus as Savior and Lord, that he becomes the ruler of your life, the owner of your life. And you've got to den- deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him and start to drink that living water. You don't need that alcohol abuse. You need to drink of the living water, and that living water is none other than Jesus Christ, and he will satisfy your entire being. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Brother Gary. It's time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, our phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. Give us a call tonight. That number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's one 367 Don't be shy. Grab that phone. Give us a call if you have questions comments. If you need prayer, we're here to pray with you. We we always say prayer should be your first response, not your last resort. Be quick to pray because the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous does availeth much. And so we believe in prayer. This is a prayer-driven ministry. So give us a call. That number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. And speaking of prayer, we want to begin by thanking everyone once again who has been faithfully praying for contending for the faith. Without your diligent prayers and your generous donations, we would never have been on the air as long as we have. We also want to we also want to pray for those who gave this week: Jackie, Rick, Momani, Camila, William, and Sandra. And uh, we just want to say thank you. In addition to praying for you, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for obeying God and allowing him to move upon your hearts to partner with us in terms of giving. It costs us 400 a week to stay on the air, so we, we need your help. Uh, we have, uh, you know, money for, for this week's program, and we have, uh, but we only have $20 left toward next week's program. So, you know, it's, it's great that we're, we're caught up and even, but we need to look ahead. We need 380 for the, uh, next week's full payment. So we want to get ahead of the game. We don't want to just always constantly have to, you know, go on, on the air and, and ask every week because we're always at the, at, the, at the end of our, our, uh, our road here. We want to always have some reserve, and we want to uh, be good stewards as well. And we know that summertime is a situation where people go on vacation, a situation where people get busy, but don't go on vacation from your giving. Remember to be good stewards of all that God has given you and uh, be consistent in prayer and consistent in giving, especially to ministries like Contending for the Faith, uh, where we are listener-supported, and we need your prayer support as well as your financial support. Uh, it's so critical. So there's two ways that you can donate. Number one, just address uh, send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, 
Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith. P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. And the second way is so much easier. Just go on your computer or your laptop to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org. And click on the Donate button, and it's that simple. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity. Uh, these monies do not go to Dr. Buckner and I at all. These are Everything that's, that comes in goes directly back into the cost of this ministry. So, you know, Dr. Buckner comes all the way from Tiburon. I come from Sacramento. You know, and it's a, it's a sacrifice, but we believe God has called us to this ministry to do this work. But we need your help to do the work. And so we, we call upon you to step up to the plate and hit a home run for contending for the faith. Uh, it's, it's so important. You know, your money is going ahead of you into heaven. And one day you'll stand before God and give an account. He may say, look around, look behind you. And you'll turn around and you see a vast multitude of people. You're going to say, Lord, who are these people? And the Lord's going to say, these are the people that made it into heaven as a result of your giving. So it's so important that we don't take it lightly, that we don't think it's just a, a whim, a passing thing. It's, it's, it's life and death. Because we need to, to work hard to get people into the kingdom. And that's what we're doing every week, to give reasons and answers for faith and to give people an opportunity to hear about this Jesus that we know is our Savior, this Jesus that we love, this Jesus that died for our sins, the Jesus that is God. So we want to encourage you tonight. Step up to the plate. We want to encourage you tonight. Continue to pray. We want to encourage you tonight. Tell other folks about contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary, for those encouraging and challenging and uplifting uh, words. And we pray that uh, those who are uh, hearing it will, uh, you know, be sensitive to what he's saying in the Lord. And we know that people have uh, constantly been sensitive and responding and we appreciate you all for what you've done every week uh to support this ministry and your prayers as well well we're going to get to uh some of the callers let's do that uh, brother gary all right we're going to go to line one uh cc has been patiently waiting yes i'm here yes how you doing how you guys doing we are blessed truly blessed how was the word to you tonight it's always good. There was never been a time where I've called called in here and wasn't encouraged. Never never been a time where I where I've called in here and, and didn't get uh, full meat and not just bones. Amen. And if you had to summarize it in uh, a sentence, uh, what did you uh, get out of this for you? What was it? Well, for me personally, it's just to put God first. I remember what you said in Isaiah twenty six three. You you said that. You keep them in perfect peace. His mind is staying on you, and I noticed that, like, because I'm doing a deep study in the book of Daniel. You know, reading on you know about the Northern Kingdom and against uh, Egypt and stuff. And I noticed when I'm spending that time doing all that studying, I'm in peace. And then when I get out of studying and I start thinking about my problems, then the peace leaves. So that that really spoke to me when you said that. So you know, by keeping like you like keep, uh, keeping um, your trust in Him and 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 putting putting God first. And, you know, it really, it really was encouraging. Amen. And all other stuff, yeah. Well, very good. Thank you so much for the uh, feedback. And and we are going to pick up where we left off last time. Is that correct? 
Yes, thank you. And that was First Corinthians 14 and verse 2. Yes, it was. Okay, what do you recall what I said last time? You have your Bible there, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. What do I recall that you... Yes. Oh, excuse me? Yeah. yeah, what did you recall me saying last time on this verse? Well, what I recall you saying is that you said that um, when a person is speaking, they're speaking to to God. It's not it's not like a natural conversation that's that's going on. It's a, it's a message. It's a message between them and God. It's like you know, it's it's, it's, a, it's more of a, on a spiritual context, not in a, a you know a physical conversation that we would have to actually communicate communicating with God. You also said that if a person was to um, give a tongue, you said. Um, Interpret. You said something about it. It's like an interpretation. The person gives. He uh, said that tongue can be interpreted, which is also by the spirit of God. Absolutely. Well, you you uh, hit on everything right on cue uh, with this verse here, because it, when he mentions the word unknown tongue, that's just the opposite of something being known. Because what God does is that He gives this uh, understanding of uh, tongues in the uh, spiritual realm. And that's why uh, he's mentioning the word unknown. It's something that man cannot uh, uh, comprehend. Uh, He can only apprehend in the Spirit of God because this is not something that comes from human reason, but it comes from divine revelation. And this is the thing that fits into uh, why he uses the word mysteries as well, uh, that, that talks about how be it in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. It's something where the Holy Spirit gives uh, insight and a revelation to something that has not been previously known. And the way that we're able to check out this unknown uh, tongue as well as the mysteries is that we always test everything up to Scripture, and it has to line up to Scripture, and that's why God has established, uh, you know, uh, an interpretation, uh, that somebody has the gift of interpretation because uh, God is not the author of confusion. Uh, he always likes to take fusion out of confusion. So uh, we, we have to always do things decently in order and make sure that we are doing it uh, by the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the one that uh, reveals everything. And we have to be like the Bereans. They tested everything that Paul said to the Scriptures, and Paul lined up with the Scriptures. And so this is a very interesting uh, verse of Scripture, and what you said and what I'm saying here is completely what it's, it's referring to. And it says, For no man understandeth him. In other words, nobody can understand him, even in the congregation. It's going to take someone uh, with a uh, spiritual gift of interpretation to bring forth uh, what that's saying. So anyway, this is a good scripture. Matter of fact, the the book of Corinthians, First and Second Corinthians, is a really good book to uh, read. And you'll be surprised when you read First Corinthians, just take a note sometime as you continue to study it, how many times the word Lord is mentioned, because he wants them to be under the lordship rather than in the flesh and in the 
the things that they want to do. So hopefully that adds a little more to what already you said and what we talked about last week. And so hopefully that's uh, helped to, to add a little more meat to what you were inquiring. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. And um, any prayer requests you have? Yes, again, just again, pray for my mother, Rosalinda, and my family members. And one of my, one of my friends' families um, has a he has a back he has a, he has a he broke his back and he may not have to get surgery. So we're praying that his back is, he heals or at least where he won't have to get the surgery because he's not that in that good of a health. So if you can also um, yeah, just pray for my family. And then um, you pray for me. I also have a tooth infection that needs to be healed and. Um, I've been going to the dentist, but that infection needs to be healed up because the antibiotics they can give me could actually kill me. So I'm going to need, you know, see if God can work a miracle. And then for the celebrities, if you can um, go ahead and lift up E40 and his wife, I want to pray for him that he's God will get him in church. Because I noticed in his interviews a lot of times he's, he's, he's mentioned God. He says nobody's supposed to worship anybody but God or idols and stuff. So he has some sense of God. Pray for him, and then also to pray for, my, for the singer Madonna. That God can reach out to her too. Amen. Well, let's do that. We have about a uh, half of a minute left to go, and we're gonna pray for you. And then when we get back, we're gonna get right to the rest of the callers. So hang in there. We have Jermaine as well as Rick uh, waiting. So Brother Gary, let's pray for uh, Brother Cece. All right, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for Brother Cece. We pray over this tooth infection, Lord God, that you would bring healing to his, his body and, his, and, and, and keep him in good health, Lord God. We pray for his family, his mother, Rosalinda, and his friend who's having uh, had broken his back, Lord God. We pray for healing, Lord God, in this situation, Lord God. We lift up E-40 and his wife for their salvation as well as uh, the entertainer, Madonna, <clears throat> that you would uh, bring someone into their lives that would speak your word and speak uh, truth regarding who you are and their need for salvation, and they would have hearts that are receptive to receiving you and and salvation, Lord God. We just pray that you, we just pray that you just touch and bless these situations in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Gary. Thank you, CC, for your call. Thank All you. Right. Really appreciate it. All right. God bless you. All right. Well, I, it's time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecture Counselor, and Expert on the Cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, we want to thank those of you who have been praying for Contending for the Faith. We appreciate your prayers. And those of you who have stepped up to the plate to partner with us through financial giving, we can't thank you enough as well. It's it's so important that you can you continue to be consistent in prayer and continue to be consistent in your giving. Um, it does cost us 400 a week to remain on the air, and uh, we know that going into next week, we have $20 in the coffer, and we need a little bit more than that <laughs> to maintain this ministry and this broadcast. So we want to encourage you um, to step up to the plate and to consider partnering with us financially here at Contending for the Faith. Uh, it's summertime, people go on vacation, but don't go on vacation from your giving and your your financial commitments. So we want to encourage you, continue to pray for us, and also continue to give. There's two ways you can donate. Send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith. Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Second way is so much easier. Go on your computer or your laptop 
and go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org, and click on the donate button, and you will be a blessing for time and eternity. We have a prayer request that we want to make sure we don't forget about. Uh, We want to pray for uh, Brother Williams, who has been a faithful supporter of Contending for the Faith. His father passed away July 14th. We also want to pray for his stepmother, Annette, and his his mother, Lois, who is recovering from a stroke. So we want to take a moment and pause and just pray for the— Brother Williams and his family, Lord, we just lift up this prayer request to you, Lord God. You are the God of all comfort. And with the same comfort you comfort us, you would have us comfort others. And, Lord God, we pray that you would just reach into that family, Lord God. Stand with them during uh, this time and provide comfort, that you would provide healing as well from a stroke, and that you would just touch the needs of this family, Lord God. We trust you, we thank you, and give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And, you know, Dr. Buckner, tonight you mentioned um, all these different points um, regarding paranoia and warnings, the 11 warnings against drunkardness. And we had a uh, a note that was sent to you last week. It says, Dear Dr. Buckner, thank you for your teaching on alcohol abuse. It's a good reminder to all of us to stay away from it. Good Sandy. <laughs> Signed Sandy. Right. Amen. <laughs> Good advice. Amen. Stay away from it. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Sandy. Appreciate so, always your wonderful notes. Yes, and uh, that's just confirmation to what we've been talking about. All right, so we're gonna go to our callers. We got Jermaine waiting patiently. Jermaine, are you there? Yeah. How are you doing, I'm Jermaine? Here. How are you? Oh, very well. Very well. Well good, good. Glad you called in and What's on your heart tonight, my brother? Well, just, um, you know, I was wondering about people who uh, who wear crucifixes, I guess you could say. And not, when I say people, I mean, I, I remember since I was a kid, I, I was a little bit confused at times because it, it just seemed like people wearing uh, crosses and having things that would, would seem to indicate that they were, they were somehow holy or give not to Jesus. A lot of them seem to do the most dirt. And... I say even today, um, you know, movies, you see in movies, sometimes villains, uh, I've seen them in you know, street corners and some neighborhoods, and people seem to think that by having that cross, it, it's somehow like a protection. And it almost it reminds me of the vampire movies. I think it just, it'll ward off evil. I was just wondering, is that a form of idolatry or idol worship? Or just, uh, you know, I mean, I already know it's a false witness, but I just wanted to hear your thoughts on it, because I know a lot of the, the groups like the, the Jehovah's Witnesses and the other cults, they point to that and say, look at what those Christians are doing. But common sense would tell you that m- most of them are probably not Christian. But I just wanted to hear your thoughts on it, Dr. Buckner. Oh, thank you. That's a very good question. Well, you know, I think that I believe that it, it really has to do with the each individual uh, there are some people who do make an idol out of it, you know, and I know that there are some people uh, in Protestant churches as well as Catholic churches and uh, that make an idol out of the cross, and they put more emphasis on the cross than they do Christ. Uh, but I think, I believe that on the uh, other side of the spectrum that there are others who uh, are mature enough to uh, give God the glory around the cross. You know, I, I've always said this, that there are uh, about four things that, uh, four or five things that the devil hates. And one is he hates uh, prayer. 
because that's how God has uh, defeated him through the power of prayer. And that's why it says in Ephesians 6, praying always is part of the uh, armor of the Christian is prayer. And every time we bring ourselves in the presence of God, the devil has to leave because he wants nothing to do with God. Second thing that the, the enemy hates is that he hates uh, the Word of God because the Word of God is something that Jesus used in Matthew 4 and Luke 4 and said it's written. And he kept using the word against the enemy, and we need to do that as well in order to be uh, victorious. And uh, one of the, that's another piece of the armor, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And then the uh, third thing that he hates is uh, the name of Jesus because there's power in that name. And uh, the early church used the name of Jesus over and over and over. And I think the fourth thing, I believe the fourth thing is a crucifixion. And the crucifixion, if you are mature, and I'm saying if you're mature, you're giving God the glory and you're uh, using it uh, as, and I even uh, wear, I have a cross on me now, and Gary too. Uh, I don't know who else has one in here, but we look at it from the perspective of two things. We don't, we don't have a man on the cross. We don't have a little Jesus on the cross because he's, he's came back from the dead. So we have a bare cross. Amen, Gary? Amen. A bare cross because he's, uh-huh. he's risen. But the cross does this. The cross it shows that he died. It is a reminder that he died. And it's a reminder that he, when it's a bare cross, he rose from the dead. So if you're mature, you're going to see it as a reminder and a reflector back on what he's done. And uh, we don't worship the, the, the symbol, but we just give God the glory around it, and it's a reminder. And the enemy hates that because anything that's a reminder of Jesus, whether it's a cross or whether it is uh, something, uh, a prayer uh, of, of hands that's uh, together praying, a uh, picture of that, uh, the enemy hates anything that has to do with pointing to Jesus, and that's what the cross does. It points back to Christ, and the enemy, anything that points back to cross, uh, to the cross as well as Christ, the enemy hates that. So it's nothing wrong with it if our motive is right and if we're mature. But if we're immature and we're looking at it from a, the standpoint of an idol and we're looking at it from the standpoint of, oh, this is something that uh, is greater than Christ and on and on and on, then that's where it becomes a problem. And I think Gary wanted to add to this, too. Yeah, sometimes I see people wearing it more like jewelry, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> as as a decoration. You know, I keep my cross under my shirt. You know, it's, I'm not wearing it out. Like it's a, a pendant or, you know, but I see a lot of people wearing them and I don't think they understand the full significance of what they're doing. I yeah. think it's just become a um, casual piece of jewelry to them. Yeah. And there's a lot of them not even saved that yeah. they're doing it. So, yeah. again, too, it goes back to your motive. And if our motives are not right and we're not mature from the word of God, we can fall victim of a lot of ignorance and 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 idolatry, like you said, and uh, God is not pleased with that sort of thing. So hopefully that's given a little uh, extra insight to what we're saying to your question. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think Brother Gary kind of hit the nail on the head. A lot of people, it is jewelry, and not everyone's aware of 
significance, like you said. So good job, fellas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I and I would say that it is, there are that there are people some that see it as jewelry, but again, there are others who see it as a reminder. I think mm-hmm. you have to look at it from both perspectives. Mm-hmm. That some people see it as jewelry, but there are others a large group of Christian people who are mature look at it as a reminder of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross, and he came back alive off of that cross. So you got to look at it from both mm. perspectives. And I think oftentimes these things get passed down. Um, you know, grandparents give a child uh, a cross, you know, and they, they keep it, and they may not understand the significance of it. They wear it because their grandmother gave it to them or or some family member, or it's an heirloom. There's a lot of reasons why people wear them. So we have to really be careful about, you know, prejudging folks because there are some, as Dr. Buckner said, that they they know they're, they're mature, they understand, they see the importance of it, the significance of it, and they're not trying to uh, disrespect it, whereas others just don't have a clue, I think. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. a, an, an important question that you can ask is, uh, wh- why do you w- wear that cross? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's an important question yeah. that you can ask people as you see them and then see what their responses are, because that's going to tell you a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> and never know. It might be an opportunity to, sh- to, to share witness. the gospel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's the way I'm looking at it, yeah. is that when, if you ask the question, why are you wearing that, that's going to uh, reveal a lot uh, out of Pandora's box. And if it's a wrong answer, this is, that's a doorway to share the gospel. Yeah, I think I'll give that a try. Thank you. Amen, brother. God bless, and thank you for your call and your question, too. It's a good one. You always bring some good questions. Thank you for that. All right, so we're going to go to Brother Rick. He's been waiting patiently. Brother Rick, how are you doing? Well, it's coming along last, but it's all well worth it. Well, good. You know, sometimes they say you save the best for last. Actually, we have oh, someone else. Oh, we got somebody else. Okay. Well, he's almost about the yeah, last. second to last. Yes, he's second to last. Somebody else popped mm-hmm. up. Popped up. All right. What's on your heart so we can get to this uh, last caller? Yeah. Let, let me get. Let me get to the point right now. Where in the Bible can we find a a, a situation where the mother abandoned the son? Well, well, you know, we we know that the uh, there's a story. Uh, of Jabez, and uh, you know that he was he went through a lot with the mother. You know the, that had the whole issue of uh, being a son of sorrows, and and that that was a beautiful story that came out. But I think that the uh, the greater perspective would be uh, that we look at a scripture that is going to be encouraging uh, to us if a person has uh, been abandoned by his mother or his father or their father. And there are some people who uh, I know who have said that their uh, mothers said that they wish they were never born and they hated them when they were even in their mother's womb. Uh, One scripture I want to give you is is Psalms 27 and 10. I want everybody to just kind of write this down and and really uh, take notice of it. Uh, It's... Psalms 27 and verse 10, and and it says there, uh, David is crying out because he went through uh, the abandonment of his nearest um, uh, relatives and family, and even his own son, Absalom, tried to kill him. And, uh, and so he says here, 
Uh, and David would know more about this, and he gives so many comforting scriptures in the Psalms. In Psalms uh, 27 and 10, when my father, notice he names both of them, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Well, that is powerful. I'm encouraging everybody to really uh, write that scripture down and get it, because you never know when you're going to run across somebody who need a comforting word from the word of God. And so uh, Psalms 27 and 10, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. In other words, David realized that God, the Lord, will always be there when my mother and father and even others won't be there. And then I think you need to also throw in there that we have a heavenly father who will never forsake us. That's what David is saying in essence. And then uh, there's somebody there's somebody who remembered the fact that uh, when we are going through issues of abandonment, let us always remember Jesus on the cross. You know, he, he went through it with his own father. And he said, Eli, Eli, Lombok, Sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus understands, and we need to bring that into the picture, too, and that he can sympathize uh, with our uh, feelings of abandonment. So hopefully that's helped out and uh, and encouraged you, but hopefully you got that scripture, too. Yeah, definitely. And then we are, and, and then once, once we have Christ in our life, He'll never let us go. He'll never let us go. He said that He'll be with you always, even to the end of the he'll world. He'll never leave you nor forsake, nor forsake you. you. That's mm-hmm. right. Well, thank you for your call, Brother Rick, and we're going to try to squeeze in this God other caller, you. and uh, God bless you. All right, Gary, let's try to get in. A, a All right, we have Sophia. Are you there? Oh, hello. So sorry, I'm so late. I'm so frustrated. The traffic was bad. I say, come on, I have to get back to Dr. Buckner, but All I right. can't. I can't speed. But, oh, by the way, I just quickly say, and I'll, I'll rush my question. Maybe we could do it next week if I can't finish. All. But I wear a cross, and just to answer, and I, because I find that people will say, oh, what a beautiful cross, I get to say a conversation. I'll say, well, I think, you know, the, the man who died on the cross is, a, is a, they'll say, I love your cross. I say, no, I love the man on the cross, and it opens a conversation. Amen. Beautiful. That's so, a, so I, I just want to answer that. I, I know that people wear it like willy-nilly, like it's got, you know, jewelry, but I don't. And it does open a conversation. But really quickly, and maybe we can talk about it next week when I can get home on time, mm-hmm. I, with Satan and, and I mean, uh, Adam and Eve were innocent, right? They were created perfectly by God. Correct. So she was tempted uh, to eat the apple and, and by Satan, and he's a good talker and all that. And then Adam came along. So my question to you is, we're evil um, because of the fall of Adam and Eve. Um, and so um, we have had to pay the price. Uh, well, I mean, Jesus paid the price, but you know what I mean. We're evil. And so that's why we're tempted by Satan and by, uh, by sin. But they weren't evil. So uh, can, uh, in other words... Uh, why were they? Why was she tempted? Because she wasn't evil. Because because this is why, and this is why we'll deal with this next time. But this is why, because God put the tree of knowledge of good and evil there to test their faithfulness and loyalty. Oh, you see, God always does that. He tests us. He put oh. things before us to test our loyalty and faithfulness. And then He also gave them volitional choice. But one of the things I want to say, just a means of correction. In the Garden of Eden, never says that there was an apple that says fruit. Oh, but, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, but that's the point. 
the test of loyalty and faithfulness, and he does that today with mm-hmm. us. Well, call next week, and we'll talk more about this, and thank you for your call. Brother Gary. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. All right, we've come to the end of the broadcast. Please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time, when we once again give the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you. Good night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.